0: Two one. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Scottish Liberty Podcast, episode one hundred and forty-eight, with myself Tom Laird and of course my erstwhile colleague in Liberty, Anthony Samaroff. That's your cue, Anthony. All right, okay, got <laughs> it. Anthony Samaroff. That's me. Today we have the return of a special guest that we had right in the beginning of when Anthony and I started to do this show. We have comedian, playwright. Uh, comedy song writer and author of *Daylight Robbery* and *Life After the State*, Dominic Frisby. Dominic, welcome back to the Scottish Liberty Podcast.
1: Uh, thanks very much for having me back. It's great to hear from you.
0: Yeah, uh, good stuff. Okay, uh, you have—I can see you have on the wall behind you both *Life yes, After the State* ever. and *Daylight Robbery*, which I thoroughly recommend to anybody. Um, the Daylight Robbery book, which you very kindly signed for me is, is now resides at my dad's house because I left it there before the lockdown. So oh, I was shit. about two thirds of the way through it, you know, but, um, so <laughs> don't Never ask me about anything in it after like, but two thirds of the way, but, uh, I was enjoying it thoroughly and there was a lot of stuff in there that I, I, I felt I was fairly up to speed in this kind of stuff, but there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know as well. It was brilliant. It's amazing when
1: you look at the world through the prism of tax and it's amazing how certain things start to make total sense that perhaps didn't make sense before, isn't it? You know, just things that have yeah. happened and why the world is as, is as, it, is as it is, you know. could you give yeah. us... I particularly you...
0: enjoyed your chapter on the Civil War. Oh, yeah. Oh, the American well, Civil War, I should yeah, say. Yeah, this is the American the Civil War. war of Northern and aggression, is... as I prefer to call it.
1: <laughs> this is the untold story of the American Civil War. Since... Since the Civil War, it's been framed that the war was about slavery, and
0: yeah, which was of course a big thing. Uh, Oh, it was was a huge issue. It it was was a huge. It was a huge
1: social issue at the time, but it was not why the two uh, North and South went to war, because Lincoln just before yeah, well, Lincoln just before the war had said it was not his only intention was to preserve the Union, and that slavery could carry on in the South, and so on and so forth. And the the untold, and the the South did not want to go to war with the North. It knew it could never win. It was m- much smaller. Mm. Its population was much smaller. Its army was much smaller. It couldn't win. And Lincoln sort of provoked them into firing at Fort Sumter, and that was deliberate. And that's the the you know once those shots were fired at at, at Fort Sumter, Lincoln had yeah. the um, power to to go to war, and he had the sort of the moral high ground then, but. Lincoln wanted to preserve the union because something like 80 to 90 percent of tax revenue for the entire United States came from duties that were paid in the southern states.
2: Wow. And Lincoln was
1: terrified of losing the tax revenue because if he lost it and that money was then taken and used to um, effectively subsidize industries in the north. So there was a huge sort of it's this sort of Um, 19th century equivalent of the American industrial military complex and the incredible lobbying power and power they have within the United States to affect government policy. But all those industries in the North, which were emerging and starting to compete with the the British, wanted um, effectively tariffs on imported goods, which made their goods more attractive on a relative basis. And without those tariffs, they would have been undermined by British imports, which were better. At that time, and so it's, it, it's a little bit like what's going on in, in, with, with Chinese imports at the moment, and Trump kind of trying to bolster um, American industry. But it's the untold story yeah. of the war, and it was probably yeah. a bigger factor in why the countries actually went to war. And, and, and Lincoln only did his Emancipation Act in whenever it was, '62, I think it was. Um, yeah. He only did it, not because he wanted slaves to be free and he had this huge moral high ground. He did it because he was trying to create internal problems for the, for the South. Because at that point, the South was doing rather well in the war. And at that, he wanted to create internal problems and, have, and create slave rebellions within the southern states in order, as a, as a, as a military tactic in order to, that the southern armies would then have to go and deal with the rebellions. And then he couldn't fight the northern states. So the emancipation <laughs> was less about freeing slaves
2: and more about winning the war. Right. So one of the things you said off the bat was the world becomes a very interesting place when you look at it through the prism of taxation. Could you give us a couple of examples of some of the most amazing things that you found out when you were researching the book about that bring the world into focus once you have that lens?
1: You can, like, the the American Civil War is one example, but you can take pretty much any great event in human history, from the birth of Christ to the first men on the moon to the defeat of Napoleon to the French uh, revolution the american Revolution um, the 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 birth of Judaism, you can take pretty much any event, and if you dig around the, the birth the, the the rise of Islam, and if you dig around, there is almost always a tax story that has had a huge influence and often was the driving factor in that event and if that wasn't that tax story events would have never occurred in the way that they did taxation is as old it goes all the way back it's as old as civilization itself you know the very first taxes were enacted in ancient mesopotamia and they probably existed before in one form or another and you can like i'll give you some examples so if you take the birth of christ mary and joseph were only in bethlehem because uh Augustus Caesar was levying a census uh, a tax and if he wasn't doing that census or the tax depending on the version of the story But the census was would have been a registration for tax purposes So it's the same thing Mary and Joseph would never have been in in Bethlehem and so Christ wouldn't have been born in Bethlehem and Christianity (laughs) would never have evolved in the way that it did and The crime for which they eventually got Christ crucified was effectively forbidding to give tribute in other words encouraging people not to pay their taxes. That was the crime for which he was crucified. So at Christ's birth and death is a tax story. First men on the moon, NASA was a tax-funded operation. Every single war in history, every single war, is paid for by some kind of tax either during or after the event. You, you conquer and then you, you plunder and then you tax. Every conquest is about taking control of the tax base, the land, the labor, the produce, the profits. Every revolution is rising up against some kind of injustice perpetrated by the tax system. Tax is power. Without tax revenue, leaders have no power. And uh, tax is control. And tax is a measure of freedom. And once you start to look at these things, you're like, oh Christ, of course. And even you know, the World War Two, uh, World War One, they were all made possible by taxes. It's, it's bizarre that if you stopped tax, you would stop war. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. if you w- tax makes war possible but war also makes tax possible it's very leaders find it very hard to levy taxes in peacetime but as soon as you've got some kind of crisis they have the crisis they need in order to levy those taxes and taxes very rarely go back to the level they were before the crisis started So good example, World War Two, ordinary Americans didn't pay income tax, 1942 Revenue Act to raise the money to pay for the to pay for the war. It was your patriotic duty to pay these taxes. And but then income tax never went away for ordinary Americans. It stayed there. So it was a, you know, so it began. And you look at the financial crisis of 2008 gave us. what Milton Friedman would call taxation without legislation, inflation, the debasement of currency, quantitative easing, zero interest rates and all that kind of thing, you know, that became normal. And so here we are now in the midst of another crisis, this Corona crisis, and we're seeing the most incredible money printing going on and Lord knows where it's going to end up. But I think it's good. This, the difference in 2008, all the money printing went into the financial economy and bailed out the financial system. Mm. It never really entered the real economy. Um, except in things like house prices in London and stuff like that. But this time around, the inflation is going to go into the real economy. And I I don't know what the consequences are going to be, but I think we're going to see a considerable loss in the purchasing power of the pound. But but you've seen all these other um, violations of basic liberties taking place that would just not be possible without this crisis. Mm -hmm. And I bet you, Mm. like now they there's this land grab going on i bet you we never return afterwards to the same levels of freedom that we had before the crisis started
0: yeah that that seems i think that's probably going to be the case unfortunately i mean i'm i'm sure i read something about this public health crisis somewhere uh, in the media over the last couple of days um, <laughs> yeah what's, what's the you, can i ask you guys a question during, what's the uh, go on no yeah, I wonder, well, what's during, the libertarian
1: what, go on. I'll go. I'll go. You, you go ahead. Li- you go ahead. Thank you. What is the libertarian risk? Because a couple of people asked me this and I haven't really thought it through. What in libertaria, what would we have done to, um, what would the libertarian reaction of, to this pandemic have been? Do you want to go first, Tom?
0: Uh, I'll let you go first, if, you, if you've if you got a, a superlative answer.
2: Yeah, I think I don't have a superlative answer. It's a very difficult situation, and I've been listening to different uh, libertarian talking heads, and there isn't exactly a consensus, but I can say a few things in comparison. One is that governments always come along after the fact and respond to crises the best they can, which is usually... Not ideal uh, it doesn 't matter what anyone does under the current circumstances it 's not going to be ideal because the circumstances are unprecedented, and people then go along and say, "Well, you know what would you do with criminals after uh, in a free society or what would you, you know what would you do after um, the the house is burnt down but really, I think it 's a little bit too late and i, I can 't say that in anarcho-capitalism in in a country without a state that things would be handled perfectly. But one thing I think we know is, for example, one of the reasons why everyone is in so much debt and all all the businesses don't have any capital stock, you know, they need bailed out by the government and things like that, is for decades and decades and decades the government has had a policy of not only printing tons of money, but Putting interest rates through the floor. So they've basically been encouraging people for decades to borrow cheap money and rack up debt. Anyone who was saving was basically victimized by the low interest rates. They weren't able to, they, they were discouraged from saving, they were punished for saving. Lord knows, you know, my dad can't take anything down from his pension, which he has already paid income tax on when he earned the money without paying another tax on it, coming back to your stuff of tax. So one thing I want to say is the government has at least created a situation where no one actually has any savings, including all the corporations, to compensate for crises like this, which there is always going to be periodic crises. For whatever reason, maybe the weather, um, you know, maybe there's a flood, maybe there's a famine, um, you know, maybe there's a virus, maybe there's um, a new technology. We've created a situation where we've got no savings to actually respond to a crisis like this. So the economic consequences of this crisis are at least going to be a lot better than they would, a lot worse than they would be in a libertarian society. And I think it's important that when we compare, we compare apples to apples, because people always say, well, without government, how would you respond to this crisis? And I'm like, well, can you please not um, compare a society where everything's handled perfectly to a hypothetical society that would kind of have to have organic uh, responses in place that we don't necessarily know? Because it's not necessarily that this society's performing perfectly, but we should be comparing what we know to what we know, not, not like utopia to dystopia. Uh, those are my preliminary thoughts. Uh, at least I think that the, the society would be more responsive. Some people are saying that there's a, a libertarian case for a lockdown. Personally, I think that the government's way, way, way overstepped the mark with it. Do you have anything from a different perspective, Tom?
0: No, I pretty much go along with that. Possibly only to say that in a in not not libertopia, but Ancapistan. Possibly every, you know, <laughs> pa- every every part of society. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. Did you just invent that what? Ancapistan? Ancapistan. No, I'm sure it's it's it goes around. <laughs> um, oh, it's <that's laughs> so... <laughs> hilarious. I've well, never but the wood. See the <laughs> Good stuff.
1: I'm going to do a so, song. I've got a fucking song. Show me the way to Encapistan. <laughs> I'm going to do that as a fucking okay. song.
2: As long as we That's can so come funny. on as backing vocalists this time.
0: <laughs> Ancapistan. I think <laughs> so there, you see, there wouldn't be one of Kapistan. There would be loads of Encapistans within the UK. Yeah. So everybody would be dealing with this in their own way. And I think pretty rapidly it would become, uh, <laughs> Dominic's cracked up. I
1: <laughs> oh, just oh, I should have
0: invented that. it, I haven't. I've heard it somewhere else, but yeah. <laughs> so, So yeah, there wouldn't be one Ancapistan, there'd be loads of Uncapistans all working on the problem. And the best system would become apparent rapidly.
1: <laughs> yeah that's a good yeah, yeah both yeah. very good points I mean I, I'm I'm pretty sure like I've got I've, it, it's it's funny you know you, you get there's when there's a sort of thing in the news it's you know you talk about six degrees of separation um this one yeah. really is like one degree of separation right you know I've, I know so many people that have had it and 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 people who aren't sure if they've had it and some people have got off lightly and some people have had it really badly but it sounds pretty tough yeah but the uh you know, I, I did a song on March the 10th in Comedy Unleashed. I did my Maybe song and I did a verse about the coronavirus. And the, the thing was, maybe the fear is worse than the disease. Do we really need to bring the world to its knees? Something about mortality yeah. rates. And then the um, far greater harm will comes from the alarm. And I'm sure the economic fallout and the damage it does to people's lives because yeah. of the reaction to this, and because of the fear of the disease, will be greater than the actual disease itself. And Calpathway, yeah, who, my... who was the who was the governor of Hong Kong, used to talk about the aggregation of individual decisions. A far greater is better. Work uh, arrives at a bettering outcome than um, decisions taken by, you know, some government minister or some bureaucrat or whatever it is, some civil servant. Yeah. And you wonder if the aggregation of individuals' decisions in the, in the situation of a pandemic is better. Because let's face it, very people, few people, you know, there's plenty of news sources where you can go to get your news. It's not like we weren't informed. It, like it, cre- it wasn't like we weren't informed. And to be fair, there's a few kind mm. of Bitcoin preppers who I know who were texting me back in January going, this is going to be really bad. You want to get out of the city, get to the country. Um, there's going to be riots and stuff. Now we're not quite at the riot stage yet, but, you know, I live in Southeast London, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> lovely sandwich between Lewisham and Peckham, which are two of the kind of hot spots when we got the looting in uh, whenever it was 2011. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it won't take a lot for, it, for things to kick off. So I, I wonder if that, that's coming, but um, at the moment it's all very quiet. All feels very quiet, but yeah. So you wonder, I, you wonder anyway, if, if you know, the, Yeah. Warning people, but letting them make their own minds up and, and, you know, advising them maybe to wear masks or whatever, but, but the, the, you wonder about that. Certainly your point, Anthony, the system is too leveraged and it's because of our system of debt based fiat money. You know, it's just, everything is just about surviving till tomorrow. There's just too much leverage in the system. So it doesn't take a lot to unravel it. And, you know, Ancapistan and Libertopia would never have been so leveraged in the first place. One hopes. Correct. So, yeah. interesting points. But the other thing is, in Ankapistan, we not only would we be better prepared because we'd be less leveraged, there's more onus on the individual to behave responsibly. And so, yeah. you, you know, we, it did, breeds a different kind of psychology. So, I wonder if that would, be, would mean we'd, we'd all take better responsibility to look after our own houses and our own families and so on. Because the onus would be on us, because we know that there would be no government to bail us out.
2: Right, and we just heard that yep. the Center of Disease, for Disease Control in the USA had to relax its regulations because certain companies wouldn't have actually been allowed to develop drugs relating to this illness under the regulations that were in place. In fact, one company violated the CDC's regulations and said, well, you know, stuff you guys, we're going to develop medications because this is serious, which is what prompted the CDC to chuck the regulations out. So the government was actually far from protecting people from this, was actually had a hand in slowing down progress when it came to these medications. Another thing I've been shocked on, I saw, I don't think I mentioned this on our last show, if, if I did... Well, you're going to hear the story again, listeners. I was uh, surprised on Facebook that a, a friend of mine in London, who's a lefty, um, was he was praising the government, but he was saying, uh, don't go for me yet, but I think that the government's doing great and blah, blah. And he was calling maybe for, for more um, measures than they've already taken. And I left a comment saying, I love how the fact, I love the fact that you're more worried about being criticized for this post because you're praising the Tories than you are for being criticized for the post because you're basically championing totalitarianism, which he was in the post and saying, saying would be a great idea. You know, uh, I found that quite ironic.
1: There was i am um, I'm gonna swear, and I'm just the reporter here. I'm not the, uh, so let me just list you You're that You're allowed disclaimer. to
2: swear on this show. We always say yeah, okay. I've never heard so, of
0: this
1: before. So do you remember the London Bridge terrorist shootings that we had two or three years ago?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So there was a scene in one of the cafes where the guys stabbing and shooting people in the, ca- in the restaurant. And everyone's hiding under the tables, absolutely petrified as you can imagine when there's a guy firing off guns and shooting people mm. stabbing people can you imagine how frightened you'd be uh, hiding under the table and having gone out for a meal in a restaurant and somebody's videoing it on their phone and the somebody you just hear somebody in the room go about the terrorist oh you muslim cunt right well which under very- the circumstances i think that description is fair Right, because he was stabbing and shooting people, but nevertheless, you then heard somebody else that would
0: come under cuntish behaviour in my book,
1: (laughs) in mine too. Anyway, so this guy goes somewhat cuntish. So somebody's going, you must Muslim cunt. At which somebody else goes, you can't say that. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. And you're like, are you seriously? Like censoring people's speech, while right in front of you there's a guy <laughs> firing off a gun and stabbing people, and it was just like one of the most amazing exchanges I've ever heard. But anyway,
2: yes, yeah, well so that
1: same thing of of we're so het up in these stupid identity politics arguments that we forget the more important, bigger stuff that's going on.
2: Lives are at stake. Yeah, and I, th- I, I think anyone who says. Oh, you care more about the economy than people's lives should be denied the vote from now on. That should be like, if, if your level of perception is so low that you think, yeah, I'm pretty sure that people were queuing for bread in the Weimar Republic because of the economy. And I think people threw themselves off buildings because of the Great Depression. So if you're so out of touch with reality that you don't think that the economy has anything to do with people's lives, I think that's good grounds for being denied suffrage.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think well, you've got to... The, this is hey, what kind of... you say suffrage, I'll give you another tax story. Okay, um,
0: okay good stuff.
1: The, one of the biggest arguments um, to, for women being given the vote in 1918 and 1928 when the two acts were passed in Parliament was the fact that women had replaced men in the workforce during World War I, and had started paying tax. And the fact that they had paid tax into the system justified their being given a vote. And so, even in something as apparently unconnected like women's suffrage, there is a tax story there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what, what baffles me about the lockdown and some of these measures is it seems strange to me that I, mean, I could be wrong, but. It has happened before, like 1979 was the last time. Um, but basically, if the Tories before, you know, after we knew that this this virus had broken out in China, had they have said something like, OK, from, from this moment on, we are restricting access to the UK from anybody from infected areas. I think people would have went nuts. They'd have went... That's, that's draconian and uh, fascistic and racist. You can't do that. But yet, that may have been arguably a more sensible step than the ones they're doing now. And I, I don't know if this is true. I was listening to Nigel Farage, uh, your, your mate Nigel, oh, yeah. and he was saying, he was Speaking saying that Heathrow, planes are still coming into Heathrow, and people are still, you know, from some. From affected areas, and people are still getting off and just getting onto public transport and going about their business. Man, and it I was on to be.
1: I was in. I was in Northern Italy <laughs> three weeks ago, right. and uh, okay. like when I, I was there, fault. there and I was there. and They was closing down all the museums and stuff. It was c- kind of just breaking, and we could, we um. Uh, when I landed there, they were testing me. When I landed in uh, in Venice okay. Airport. And then I w- went off and I was in Padua, which was sort of not quite in the epicenter, but, but, uh, um, oh, look, you've just upgraded the meeting. The um, includes oh, unlimited wow. minutes. Anthony, you, you, you splashing out here. The, and yeah, so they weren't, ta- and, and, they were, and then when I, I came back, I just went to Venice airport and, you know, got on the plane, flew into Heath, I uh, can't remember if it was Heathrow or Gatwick. Oh no, it might've been, was it either Heathrow or Gatwick, um, land or was it city? I forget where it was, but anyway, I flew, no, it was Gatwick. I flew into Gatwick, landed and got the Gatwick express home and nobody tested me, nothing like, and I'd come right from the bloody epicenter of it.
2: Yeah. Anyway. you a responsible individual. Don't wow. you know that the collective has rights that you need to <laughs> uh, respect? What should I do?
1: What hell well, I do? should I do should I should I stay there? We're sending you to I think you should, should come my family dub, I think well,
0: you I should dob yourself in. Dob yourself that's in. That's what you should do. But I mean like, I I take it how, how is your kids your family is everybody okay to, you know thank god um, so far? Well, I've got
1: a sort of rather extended family. Uh, and, and it's not what, it's not your sort of traditional nuclear family. Let's put it that way. But the, my eldest two kids are 19 and 17 and they both live with me and, and their mum lives about a mile up the road and she has had it.
2: Oh,
0: she,
1: uh, has been quite ill with a thing called neutropenia, which means she's a very vulnerable, she's very in the vulnerable group. If she gets it, she's one of the people that it could really hurt. She, she said it was like um, having really, really really bad, really bad flu. And on top of that, having an elephant on her chest, she described it. Right. And she was, you know, there was three or four times when she wanted to call an ambulance in the middle of the night. because She couldn't breathe. And then for whatever reason, decided not to. So she had it pretty badly. And we're not sure. Me and the two kids aren't sure if she's now recovered, like in the last couple of days, she's just come out the other side but me and the two kids aren't sure if like we're super spreaders and we've had it and it just didn't get us that badly. Or if we're, if we haven't had it yet, my daughter's had a sort of cough, one of those tickly coughs that she's had it for about two weeks. I mean, it could just be a cough. I've had a, I had a weird headache for about a week. It could just be a weird headache because I've got a new set of glasses, you know, so it could be that. And I've had a sort of slightly weird cough. And I, you know, so you just don't know. Um, Hal Cruttendon, another comic, he's had it quite badly. My friend Gideon's had had it quite badly, and so. But, I mean, I've just been quite sensitive washing quite my hands. Well, I don't know it? what else to do. I've, I'm. I've trying to been trying to lead my life as normal as I can under the circumstances. I've quite enjoyed it. I've got. I've lost about four kilos because of maximising my. Uh, uh, e- daily exercise allotment. I've been walking the dog loads and running and doing exercise. It's it's sort of got me quite disciplined. I've got quite healthy. And I have quite enjoyed yeah. just being locked just down. Just like
2: you, yeah. a capitalist, a heartless capitalist profiting off a crisis. <laughs> Trust you. It's funny
1: though. I mean, when I go to the park and walk the dog, there's so many people out getting fit for the first time. Mm. I think a lot of people, you know, I mean, a lot of lives are going to be I mean leave aside the economic damage and leave aside the loss of life a lot of people are going to look back on this and with a certain amount of fondness you know it's going to bring families together bring loved ones together that kind of thing
2: well it really depends on how long it goes for to be honest I mean I can't say that I haven't been loving it I've genuinely like hashtag love the lockdown. Like, that's going on on Twitter. I've really been enjoying it, but maybe another two weeks or three weeks or so. Yeah, we'll get
1: bored after a while. Do you, do you, does your income depend on, have you got, Um, what's your name? What's your you we'll call it, some kind of
2: subsidy to, have you lost any income because of it? Well, I work online mostly anyway. I mean, I do have clients that I see in person, but they're my, the minority and they can still see me on Skype. So, if anything, because my other activities have been cancelled, I've taken more people on. So uh, I'm also a heartless yeah. capitalist profiting off the world's and you're misery. you're doing
1: your, um, what, do you do, what do you call it, motivational stuff?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a counsellor. Counselling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom,
1: and what about you, Tam? If you, you lost money because of it? What was?
0: The, not to my knowledge. I mean, I've, I've, um, I was on two, two two and a half weeks holiday anyway. I mean the lockdown only started after I, I I took my holidays. So I was supposed to I think I took 3 days and went up to Loch Tay. Uh yeah. a friend of mine had uh, some property up there. So I spent 3 days up there and then came back down. Um but I don't know yet. I'm I'm going back to work tonight and oh, right. uh I I would be I I suppose I would I could I would loosely come under the key worker uh category and um I don't. I don't know yet what the what the situation is. What the. I mean, I'm the transport industry, so I don't know what steps have been. You I mean know that nervous, it's a reduced you, service. But I don't know. How, sorry.
1: Yeah. You're working on the trains, is it?
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how it's going to uh, affect my um, yeah my rota or anything like that. I haven't heard anything, so I'll find out tonight. But um, I think I should be reasonably. Um, Un, un unscathed by this, providing I don't get it, obviously, which is always a a, a possibility. Yeah, yeah. But I like you up, I I yeah like, like you, I I think that, that the economic and uh, fallout and the, the effects this will have on, on civil liberties in the long term will probably be worse than the yeah. actual virus itself. That's that's my take on it. Could be wrong, but I I don't think so. And there's there's been some you know fairly high, hard-hitting commentators like Peter Hitchens in the, the Mail on Sunday has, has, yeah. has come out and said, you know, he he thinks it's, it's a way over reaction in proportion to what Yeah, and what it's quite brave does. to do
1: that because as soon as you start speaking yeah. out against the government reaction, you're a heartless bastard.
2: Yeah.
1: You don't care about people's lives and it's really easy to smear you. So I think a lot of people yeah. might, it's one of those where a lot of people might be thinking it, but they're keeping their mouths shut.
2: Yeah, and he did take a lot of hits for it you know, as you'd expect. There was a pretty yeah, funny... It's even
1: Dellingpole are about the only two people who are arguing against what's going on.
0: I'm, I'm quite surprised that the that the Mail on Sunday actually put it out because he's had articles of his spiked before, you know, by by the Mail on Sunday. He had a, he'd, he'd a column, his column spiked before the, the Brexit vote because he was... He was, uh, he was coming out with too much with stuff that the, the daily, you know, the mail and Sunday weren't too keen on. So I'm surprised. Was that, he a leaver or remainer? a remainer? Uh, I think he was a remainer. I think, no, I think he he's a basically he's a strange guy. What he said was, in the end, it won't really matter because the, the, the people that are that are in charge are committed to the same sorts of programs as the EU. Are committed to. Um, so it's not going to make that much of a difference. But I think on balance, on balance, he he he's anti-EU. Um, but he right. just didn't think that it was You're going to make a hell of like, a difference. All right.
1: Yeah. He's been taking the shit because he's not as good as his brother. I keep reading these horrible comments. You're not as good as your brother. <laughs> horrible thing to say.
0: <laughs> well, no, yeah, man? I'm a I'm a huge fan. I, I like Peter. I mean, there's this this I have problems with Peter Hitchens in on a in a few areas, but by and large, I quite like him. I and mean, he he does he is bombastic. He does um, filibuster. He does uh, you know he, he there's loads of things about him I don't like, and he is not. And, and I'm a, a better fan. I have more in common, I think, with Peter Hitchens and his worldview than I have with Christopher Hitchens. However, I think it's patently obvious that Christopher Hitchens was the more erudite, more entertaining uh, of the two by a long shot, you know, but.
2: So, speaking of Peter Hitchens, once he wrote a column about the right to bear arms here in the UK, and as it so happens, one of our listeners asked, uh, as a kind of libertarian-minded fellow, do you think we should have the right to bear arms in the UK like they do in the USA? Ooh, is that to me that question? yeah,
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah. it's one of the things I completely um fall down mm-hmm. uh on the um just hang on one second sorry okay um i w- one of the things i I thought about is like let's say we had a really bad government and you know, it was really totalitarian and it issued Let's all these say rules that, that, Let's that say you that. couldn't, yeah. it issued all these new rules that you can't go out mm. and you have to, you know, your freedom of movement is curtailed and you yeah. you have to take the government income, you can't go on transport and if you do, policemen will start asking questions, all this kind of thing. You know, where there was a, a serious a situation where there was a serious erosion of civil liberties. Now, at other points in history, like say we lived in, medieval times um, you know the king's army would have swords but the rebel army could also had get itself weapons that maybe not as good as the swords but they would still be weapons that weren't in a completely that were sort of roughly in the same league as the swords and you know maybe some of the sword fighters would come on the rebel side so it wasn't there wasn't such a mismatch between the people and the authorities now, if we in Western Europe wanted to rise up against our, uh, our totalitarian leaders and overthrow the system and replace it with something better.
2: Supposing we is, wanted
1: to do that? There is absolutely no means, and, and we voted for change and we didn't get the change, and, we, and, and you know, there was absolutely no means to enact the change we want through the ballot box. <laughs> Which, let's face yeah. it, there isn't, because wherever you vote, you just get more of the same. We do not have, unless we have the right to bear arms, we do not have the ability to hold our leaders to account. Now somewhere like in a country where people do have the right to bear arms, if there was a revolution, they're probably gonna lose, but they stand a better chance if they could coordinate their um, revolution in the right way. So the fact that the people don't have a right to bear arms and the authorities do, means there is an incredible mismatch between authority and people. And ultimately it's impossible for the people to hold the authorities to account either through the ballot box or through, you know, so that I think about that quite a lot. And that is one of the arguments, which in my opinion, justifies the right to bear arms. Um, and it's, I don't think it's an argument you hear very often,
2: yeah.
1: but mm. then I just look at Americans sometimes and you see all the shootings that go on. And you just go, do you really need guns? I mean, guys, do you really need guns? Is it just not worth just sacrificing the right to bear arms? Because, um, uh, you know, because is it really worth this loss of life? Surely the loss of liberty is worth paying for the loss of life. And well, you, you know, that, that I, do, I think <laughs> that's, I'm not that, saying that I'm saying sometimes I think...
0: Boris, that's Boris Johnson's exact argument. <laughs>
1: Well, so, you know, I get that argument and I'm, I'm persuaded by that sometimes. And so I'm, I'm pretty, I'm not, I don't have a clear ideology on this. You know, Mm. I go to a Bitcoin conference and they're all into guns and stuff. And, and I get, and I'm all like, yeah, yeah, guns, guns. And then you see what people do with guns and you're like, Oh Christ, you really need guns. And I remember being like, I took my kids to Texas about three years ago and we hired a car in Houston and we drove around Texas. And within, within, 48 hours of landing in texas (laughs) my kids had eaten steak uh driven a car ridden a horse and shot a gun (laughs) within 48 hours of being there and it was just brilliant it was just so and it was so we went to a firing range and it was so scary the guns are so loud but i mean you kind of get into it now the other thing i would say and obviously this isn't everyone but a lot of people who are really into guns. I mean, there's obviously some cool people who are into them. But there's a lot of dicks who are into guns. They really are, and so that's a that's a factor as well that you never hear in the whole, you know. So, I, I, and it's really kind of machismo, you know. There's so I, I don't know. Where, where I, I I'm just getting lost and I'm rambling. Tell me what tell me what
2: I should think. Well, I don't think that we need to necessarily debate it on this show because I, I, I've got a couple of more questions from our listeners and I think they just I'll, want I'll, your view. review. Can
0: I just say one thing? Uh, just, oh, oh and, is this and, live? And, Are
2: people uh, listening to this live? Uh, no, 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 it's no.
0: canned. Uh, but, but did you uh, tell, and, them, and in Kapustan, tell them I was on
1: and then ask them for questions? Yeah. Sorry, Jack. Oh, yeah,
0: okay, and in capistan, basically, I'll be allowed to have a gun and you don't have to have one if you don't want one.
1: Yeah, but the, the, here's the know, problem. If you've
2: got one, I want one. Because yeah. w- w-
1: I definitely
2: adult... want one if Tam wants one, partly because I don't trust okay. him with the fucker, I know what his tempers like, but
0: how, how do you know yeah. I don't have one already
2: but but secondly, the law ju-
0: doesn't the, the law only prohibits you, it doesn't inhibit you
2: that's true. well, I feel a little bit inhibited around the law sometimes, so I mean, um.
1: When I was in Texas, you'd, sit in a, you'd just be sat in an ordinary cafe, restaurant something, you know, like having eggs and beans or something for lunch. And there'd be a guy walks in with a fucking gun on his holster. And, like, you could tell all the, no, none of the locals bat an eyelid. But I just found it really frightening that there's a right. bloke sitting there with a weapon with which he could kill me at the next table. If he well, gets that's why you
2: anxiety. should have had one as well, Dominic. What the hell?
1: What if he's better with the gun than I am?
2: Well, you should have trained as well. You know, and are you going to let him talk to easier. you like that? Are you going to I, I, make? I, I, are you going to make him let you and in, feel intimidated? Come on, get on board with the arms race. You, you just he, need to get a bigger gun than he has.
1: Here's the thing: if you've ever been in a fight when you're younger, like I've been in a few, not a lot, but I've been in a few fights. It takes, like, it's particularly the first time you do it. if You've never done it before. It's really hard to throw a punch. It takes, it just takes a certain willpower or something to throw a punch. Either you have to be really hurt or really angry or, or you just have to have no sympathy or empathy, but it takes a certain something to be able to throw a punch. And I have to say, don't tell anyone, but I've never actually been, I've been in fights and stuff, but I've never actually been able to bring myself to throw a punch. I've been almost too scared or something too inhibited maybe. Too late now. (laughs) But, (laughs) but it's, uh, but so, like to actually get to that point where you throw a punch takes a certain something. It's easier to just pull out a gun and pull a trigger. You don't, it's not the same fear and yet throwing a punch and, and pulling a trigger, one does considerably more harm than the other. You know, I bet those kids who go into the schools shooting everyone, you know, they kind of do it and they get almost, you know, the expression is trigger happy, but I went if they had to go in and actually punch one of the kids. Many of them probably couldn't even do it.
0: I could. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: kids ran your way. Yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so I was wondering what your view is on Scottish independence. Well, I wasn't. One of our listeners were. were. I'm all but for it? it. You're for it. Can you explain I'm massively why? for <laughs> it.
1: It's um it's funny because the libertarians in England were all in favor of leaving the European Union it was very much the libertarians all were in favor of mostly in favor of leaving But when I do the same question like when I did my um game show at the Edinburgh festival And and I do this the the, the round is the, the right answer is my opinion and I ask the audience uh, which is uh, 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 An independent scotland or a great britain or whatever it is and all my sort of contrarian scottish friends would take the line of great britain because in Scotland it's almost contrary to be in favour of Great Britain rather mm. than to be in favour of, of independence. Mm. Certainly, in terms of the vocal majority, anyway. And it was interesting because I would always tell, because I, I would always make. I wrote an article in the Independent a few years ago that was got loads of readers, basically arguing that Scotland. I think Scotland should be independent because, firstly it's small and if you look at per capita GDP of small countries around the world, it tends to be higher than big countries. And if, well, let's, let me backtrack a bit. If you look at the richest countries in the world on a per capita basis, they, they all have certain things in common and the richest countries in the world on a per capita basis are like in, not in this order necessarily, but it's like Hong Kong, Switzerland, um, uh, Norway, uh, um, uh, 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 Qatar, um, what's that? Brunei, all these places. And they've all got, they're all either financial centers. Singapore is another one. They're all either financial centers or they've got oil. Um, now, and the other thing they all have in common is they've all got populations of less than 10 million. And Scotland has got the small thing. What's the population of Scotland? Four, five million, six million, is it? Six, and a half, million. Six, and a half, six million.
0: Six million. Six million. Yeah, six.
1: So it's small. It's got that. It's got the whole financial infrastructure thing, you know. And, and it's got oil, like it's got all three. So it's got, you know, if you're designing your Marvel superhero, just Scotland's got everything to become a really good, um, wealthy, independent, free-trading nation. The problem that Scotland has is it's got run by loony socialists. But if you could get them out of the way, <laughs> it, it's got everything you need. Yeah. And so it's I was always in favour of then. it. And I also think just psych, psych, psychologically it would be better for Scotland to get out of this rut that it's got itself into of really disliking the English and blaming the English for everything. Because do you know what? The English Parliament and the English government might say one thing, but most of the English, if if Alex Salmon had opened that vote up and it had been a vote for the entire United Kingdom, the English would have voted in favour of an independent Scotland. It was like, go and be independent and get on with us and stop blaming us for everything. And so... It, I find that the great irony that, that if, if Salmon lost the vote, because he only left it to the Scots. And and um, so, yeah, so I'm all in favor of it, but not for the right reasons. I'm in favor of it for libertarian reasons rather than, and, and, and um, you know, I've, I've got a map somewhere. I don't know where it is, but in the house, where I've redesigned Brit, Great Britain, according to the Anglo-Saxon heptarchy. So England was right. divided into seven uh, this, so this was England at that time. It was decided, divided into seven kingdoms. But S- Scotland also was divided into kingdoms. And they, they divide quite naturally according to the the lay of the land. And so they would have been picked land and, and um, oh, I forget what they're all called. But, it, it, you know, Delveida, divide,
0: uh, Alba.
1: yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. And so it divides quite naturally according to those, um, you know, it's it's where the mountains are and the rivers are and so on. It all happens quite, quite naturally in wales and then ireland does the same ireland had the old five kingdoms and if ireland went back to five kingdoms instead of two that would sort out a lot of the irish mm-hmm. problems as well so you know this is Possibly. a big movement to to local i want local uh um ancapistans uh, Ang, no it needs to be anglo ancapistan <laughs> or in your right. case uh Kel- and keltistan or something hmm. but the um the you know so that, that that would happen and then i'm sure we'd all get on much better
2: you have your I'm way of life. I, I have my way English. of life. I
0: mean, I mean did, 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 did did you get on a lot did didn't you get on a lot better with your wife after the divorce? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we <laughs> we're free
0: trading we
2: have a free trading operation, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right Andy,
0: do you have another question
2: well i just wanted to point out that you've got a new song a lot of people listening who've heard of you know that you're a comedy songwriter and it's uh, the lockdown blues i just want to get a shout out about that song because people can oh yeah
1: please go it. and listen to the song
2: yeah and i listened to it before our show and i, I think it speaks to quite a uh It reminds me of a time, the lockdown blues, it reminds me of a time when I was at uni and whenever it was term time, I said, hey, I can't wait until the summer so that I can get on with all my projects that I've been putting off. And then when it came to the summer, I was like, oh, oh, I can't wait till till term time. So I've got a little bit of structure in my life and I can get (laughs) on with all the things that I've been putting off. And uh, that's my teaser for your song. Do you have any questions, by the way, Tom?
0: Yeah, well, I just want to ask on the comedy song thing. Um, it's a notoriously difficult thing to do. I don't think people appreciate how hard it is to actually write a comedy song that's funny. You know, you can do it and it's mildly amusing or whatever, yeah. but funny or catchy. It's is, really hard. Is, I know it's a kind of boring comedy question, but who was who, who an influence? Was there any influences on you? Jake Thackeray, um, Richard Digence? <laughs> <laughs> all right
1: <laughs> um yeah well so,
0: I, it's about two things who, there. who was who your big influence or who, who do you look up to in terms of uh, comedy songwriting
1: well a few people and but just coming back right. to that thing if you th- if you think of how few really great comedy songs there are you get an idea yeah. of of it's just such a difficult form and th- a lot of people's favorite comedy songs are are reversions of old songs. So you're sort of cashing in on the recognition and the joke is you're going somewhere else with a song. And I don't count that. I, I've done it myself a few times and I think I've done it quite wittily, but I readily accept that it's much harder to write an original song than it is to just reversion something well known. Um, And it really is. And I think, it really, it just is very hard to do. And the proof of the fact that it's hard to do is how few really great songs there are. And then you even look at the really great songs and they're not that funny in a way that watching Mm. a really great comic routine is. So for example, you know, what's a really great comic song, mad dogs and Englishman, or I am the very model of a modern major general or something like that. Not as funny as, as Tommy Cooper or, or, you know, Ronnie Barker or something, Um, or, or some, you know, laurel and hardy or whatever it is so yeah it's it is really hard and but in answer to your question who are my big influences i adore jake thackeray i just think he is the best but even his stuff is not like it's not as funny as tim vine or mm. or or al murray or something it just isn't yeah. it, but it doesn't mean it's not brilliant um so yeah. i love jake thackeray i don't I, I haven't listened to, to his stuff for a while, but I used to adore Noel Coward. I love Gilbert and Sullivan, just adore Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, a lot of people cite Tom Lehrer. I'm like, well, whatever about him. Um, there's a guy called, what's his guy? The sound effects guy, Stan. Oh, I've forgotten his name. Um, and, and there's a lot of good musical comedians, but what they often do, the, their comedy is, um, what was his name? The Danish guy who used to be, uh, very good in the 70s I've forgotten his name but he a lot is, of their yeah. comedy yeah he, he was like a director and but a lot of their stuff is deconstructing the music like um, the guy well, with the beard well, yeah. Bill it Stan Bill, Freeberg
0: you Bill were Bailey, thinking of Stan Freeberg Bill I love
1: Stan That that's the yep. um, music um,
0: uh, I don't think Bill, Bill Bailey
1: uh, Bill Bailey's brilliant but his comedy yeah. is not so much in writing funny songs as it is deconstructing songs and, and, and doing clever things and interesting things with them So but the actual so there aren't that many. Um, but there are a few. And and I've listed some of them. I don't even know who who's this guy you said, Richard Devine, or what was his name? Tam, you said someone.
0: Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) but when I when I I made my first comments, uh Richard Digens. Who's Richard Digens? I've never heard of him. You must know Richard Digens. He 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 used to be a regular on countdown. Um check right. him out it's not, I don't and find him songs, funny he? in the slightest you know I do I've got my uh, like, comedy blog the satire I've done a thing yeah. about a uh, man in Scotland found who finds Richard Dijon's funny you know it's like uh, I, oh, I, don't, okay. I can't uh, I, I Still not I don't find him some, funny at all Richard Stilgo had yeah, some but,
1: some witty stuff there's a lot of witty songs go, yeah but, but I mean I, if you ask me what's a great Richard Go song I wouldn't know um, okay. but you know, and, Victor and,
0: and
1: yeah, but yeah, that's who that's the Danish guy. Um, Victor yeah, okay. Borges, yeah, he's he's great, but again, his stuff's his stuff's about like he starts to play the piano and then it goes wrong, you know, and then he starts <laughs> getting cross with it, you know, it's that kind of thing, which yeah. it, again, it's great. I love it, I love brilliant it, I love, it. I love it. They're not necessarily
2: brilliant comic songs,
0: yeah. All right, okay, well, Asked and answered.
2: What is your perspective? Stephen asks on what the fast food industry will be like after this COVID bullshit. The, oh, no, I'm going yeah. to uh, That's what, what why, I think. Why, why, what, what's the, like, uh... what do you think? The what will, will the effects of this be on basically the the food industry and things like that? Do you have any predictions?
1: Well, at the moment, the food industry's well. Parts of the food industry are doing rather well. Supermarkets and local shops and stuff. Because all the trade's gone to them, all the degrees. restaurant trade, all the pub trade, it's all gone to them. But the, um, and so they'll probably, once the crisis starts to pass, you probably want to be long pubs and short supermarkets, if that makes sense. But the, yeah. I'm definitely I don't looking
2: know forward to going back to the pub. it has be, been yeah, a long time. can't
1: fucking wait. But the, in terms of the, um, in terms of the, I I don't know what the impact. I I I just I've I've never thought about it, and I I'm I'm just going to be talking shit if I talk. Yeah. About it, so I don't.
2: It's a it's a it's a difficult question to make predictions in the the this time. I just wanted to uh chuck it in in case you had anything to say. I mean, it's it why would why would it why would we not have fast food?
1: Even now, people would have fast food if they could eat it. Surely. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Well, different. there you go, Stephen. I, 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 I don't know. I don't see it being a problem.
0: Well, I know, that, I know that a lot of places who were never doing home deliveries before, the ty- kind of restaurants who would have looked down their nose at home deliveries, are, are, are doing them, you know, it's sort of, if anything, that, yeah. that might be a good thing. I've got, I've got no idea, these, you know. I know but, these uh,
2: capitalists are ruthless. They'll profiteer over anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the book is that. the most recent book is "Daylight Robbery." Kaz Paul's wondering if he wants a signed copy. How does he get one? And I'm sure some of our other listeners might want a signed copy from you as well. well. I,
1: I'll say this: it's it's the best book I've ever written. I think, and I think it's really good. But one of the things I've noticed there's this trend where nonfiction sales have just almost stopped since this crisis started. Everyone's buying fiction, which is quite telling. You know, we want to. I want to read a good fantasy while I'm in lockdown, and so all the. You know, we want to fix the world. Nonfiction. I want to improve my self. All that stuff's just gone out the window in this crisis, which is quite interesting. But even even though um, nonfiction sales have, have. So it might not be that appetizing to you in the current climate that we're in. But nevertheless, I'm extremely proud of it. And I think it's a terrific book and it's called daylight robbery. And if you go to my website, Dominic and go on the blog, you might have to search through three or four posts, but there is a, you can order a signed a signed copy from me, but here's the thing. Like if I want to buy a signed copy from, from my publisher, they will sell me signed copies at 50% of the official retail price. And so the official retail price of the book is 20 quid so they'll send so it costs me a tenner to buy the book i then have to send it out which costs me another three pounds 55 so in total before i've made any money i have to spend 13 pounds 55 so what i've been doing is i've been selling them for 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 the official retail price which is 20 quid plus three pounds 55 postage which comes to 23 pounds 55 but like i say my break-even is 13 pounds 55 amazon sell it for 12 quid <laughs> right yeah
2: <laughs> they're, they're
1: undercutting the fucking author you know it's just the, amazing yeah so I'm,
2: a, I'm having the same problem with my my book uh so i, I totally sympathize with that i've been se- sending them out to the states and it is quite costly there's not really much of a margin on it so i would g- encourage people to um give dominic his tenor, man it's just 10 quid <laughs> you know uh, pay the if, extra by the, the i tell you what i
1: tell you what's really good actually if you're into audiobooks, like i've earned i earn my living doing voiceovers, and i sort of know what i'm doing and i'm quite good at it the audiobook is really good if you're into audiobooks, buy the audiobook and then i don't have to send get into this competition with amazon just to make a living
0: are, <laughs> are you doing your own audio or did you draft somebody <laughs> did you stephen fry or something to do no, that no no to i it. i read it
1: i read it i read it <laughs>
2: Okay, I, sure. I read it,
1: and, and, but the, if you look on Audible at the feedback, it's had really good, everyone really likes it.
2: Great, and you okay. are uh, accomplished voice actor, so it should come as no surprises. So if you want a signed copy of the book, you'll have to pay for it, it's gonna cost you, but the, the audio book comes critically acclaimed. Thanks so much. Uh, just for, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Dominic and the two of us met at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival a good few years ago now, near the the first 2016. year, twenty sixteen. Oh, so we'll be coming to our four year anniversary of friendship, and we've uh, <laughs> in August. But yeah, we've been hanging out with Dominic. Well, it's when he, when... this
1: hey, year. They, uh, They've cancelled the festival this year,
2: and that was something that you yep. wanted to talk about, uh, Tam. Do no, wanna... I
0: do not want to talk about that. I just it's, it's a done deal. Actually, I might enjoy that. Yeah. Mm. I could I could love well, the you, yeah.
1: you know, there's the there's the free fringe that doesn't actually need the official fringe. And if they relax the lockdown rules, the free fringe could go ahead. It could be a really good year mm. for the festival right. because it'll be like won't be official. It'll be a bit more um
0: back to basics
1: yeah back to basics
0: yeah back Um, to what it used to be yeah yeah, yeah, well
2: i would really love it if the free fringe went ahead i'd I'd be sad to lose the whole festival so if that is happening i guess we'll see you again and um you guys at home tam could you please insert something insightful or hilarious to end the show (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I have nothing more to say. I don't thanks again to Dominic for coming back and being with us. It's been good. We should do it again sometime, uh, if we're all alive in the year twenty five, twenty five, whatever. Um, thanks to Dominic. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, leave your comments and tune in again next time for the Scottish Liberty Podcast. Stay safe. See you soon. Thanks for having me on.